0: You're listening to the West Side Podcast, a part of the L.A. International Church of Christ Family of Churches, worshiping God in L.A. since 1989.
1: Well, welcome, West Side. It's great to be together for our midweek. Thanks uh, for the worship time right there. Appreciate it. It was awesome to um, to begin our midweek that way. If you're at home, um, on uh, welcome to our Live Feed here from the uh, Palisades Presbyterian Church. We're super grateful for them opening up the facility. And today we have a really special night planned. Uh, tonight is our uh, mental and spiritual health program designed to really strengthen our fellowship. And as we're, uh, as a congregation, going to be gathering back together on Sunday, starting on the 14th indoors. I know some people have a lot of trepidation, and we really want to be sensitive and uh, help those and begin a, a process of healing and strengthening. And so I want to begin by reading a verse from Mark chapter 12, verse 30. In Mark 12, verse 30, we read, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. You know, if any of those four components is uh, not in a healthy place. I certainly know when I'm sick, when I uh, have the flu or otherwise any kind of debilitating sickness, it's really hard to be spiritual. Likewise, when we are uh, hurting in a mental way uh, or an emotional way, it's also a very difficult thing to be spiritual the way God intends for us to be. And so we really want to begin to nurture and guide and strengthen our fellowship of disciples, and tonight we have a special privilege to have a panel of disciples from throughout the West Side and the greater Los Angeles Church here to offer their expertise. They each uh, play a tremendous role in their own profession, serving uh, in the different capacities, which I'll share in just a moment, but tonight what they're doing is they're going to serve our congregation as members of the congregation, uh, really offering the church membership an opportunity to grow, an opportunity to heal. Uh, they're representing the church in this endeavor, although they come from different professional backgrounds with different levels of expertise. And so I want to introduce them. And the format tonight is going to be we're going to have two of the professionals answering questions that are, um, have been uh, prepared ahead of time based upon the congregation sending in a number of questions. After that, we'll have a little bit of time where those on Zoom can well, ask one like to or two additional uh, questions. Then, then we'll transition to the next yeah, two professionals who will answer cool. as well prepared, uh, prepared yeah, questions yeah. that we feel are very relevant to some of the needs I in the congregation I think, I think, that have been Q-A sent in. And then as well, another time of Q&A. And that will conclude our evening. It's going to be a little bit longer than normal, but we feel like it's extremely valuable. For those here in the audience, thank you guys for being here. We're trying to keep the Zoom crew uh, plugged into the content, so we're letting them ask some questions. Uh, Certainly, afterwards, everyone will have an opportunity. If you have a question, I want to let you know that we have prepared On our website, if you go to thewestsidechurch.com and click on the Midweek About Mental Health, there's a form there, if you scroll down, where you can ask any question you want, where the staff can then uh, have access to that and then send it on over to our health professionals for further follow-up and resources that can be made available. So without further ado, I do want to introduce our professionals then I'm going to pray, uh, pray, and hand it on over uh, to Priscilla, who will go first. But I want to begin uh, with a little background on our professionals, so you know who's speaking to you tonight. And I'm super grateful for them. We've got uh, Pr- Priscilla DeLeon right here next to me. She's a licensed uh, clinical social worker. She's been a therapist for 19 years. Uh, she has two adult daughters and a beautiful granddaughter. Uh, She has worked with various populations, including those that have uh, had issues with sexual abuse, domestic violence, human trafficking, postpartum depression, and addictions. She has worked uh, from infant-level age kids to young kids, teens, adults, and seniors in individual family and group therapy. The second awesome disciple we have with us serving us is Larry Wong, and he is from the the Lifeway Ministry. Thanks for joining us, Larry. Larry. He is a licensed marriage and family therapist and owns a private practice in Pasadena, California. He has experience working with individuals, couples, family, and families dealing with depression, anxiety, trauma, family and marital conflict, and other mental health related issues. Larry has given his time to both his church and local community, teaching parenting classes and providing guidance and education on suicide awareness and wellness programs. All of these uh, professionals are, have been disciples for over 20 years. Tremendous group we have in front of us right now. The last two professionals we have with us are Dr. Francine Atterbury. Thank you, Francine, for joining us. We know her well from the West Side. Uh, she has been a pediatrician for over 29 years. She has one adult son. She became a Christian in 1986 as a second-year medical student in New Jersey. Her practice in the Southern California area has included medical director of the mobile health clinic, uh, group practice for 21 years, a pediatric urgent care, uh, and case management for children with special needs. She provides health care for children and young adults from birth to 21 years of age and with a focus on the impact that emotional health, social stressors, and family may have on physical health. Thank you for being with us, Francine. Really grateful. And our last uh, professional is Patricia Don, and she has been a disciple of Jesus for over 25 years. Been a part of the West Side for quite some time. We're super grateful to have her. She is a professionally trained and credentialed school psychologist with double masters in uh, educational psychology uh, from Washington University in St. Louis, and respectively. Um, or I'm sorry, from with credentialed school a double masters, and educational psychology from Washington University in St. Louis. She has worked in community mental health, but spent most of her professional career serving children and their families in the public school settings. Ms. Dawn has cultural specific training that seeks to include social and cultural aspects of African American history and life experiences in mental health and services she provides. So, We have an awesome panel of disciples who are going to give some of their professional expertise to strengthen each of us tonight. So let's begin with a word of prayer, and we'll hand it over to the panel. Father in heaven, thank you so much for just this awesome privilege to be together tonight. Uh, Be with all the students that are here, Father, uh, as they're really taking in this wisdom and guidance. Be with all those uh, at home on Zoom watching and those that, who will watch this at some later time on recording. We pray that the words that are shared, that the insights will strengthen us. Uh, we want to love you with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. And we know we need to be healthy in all those areas. Give us strength. Guide each of these professionals, these awesome disciples. In Jesus' name, amen.
2: guys. Can you hear me? So like Steve said, I'm Priscilla, and I'm just really grateful for the questions that were asked. Thank you for the vulnerability and asking the questions. Um, They're preset questions. So the first question that was asked was about getting therapy services if finances are fixed. Um, And so I have a few resources that I want to share with you. What The point I want to drive home is that even if finances are a little tight, and, you know, I've been a college student, go Bruins, at some point, right? So finances are tight. You might just be eating beans for the entire week. But help is available, okay? So help is available. If, you are, if there are parents um, out in the Zoom audience, if your child needs support um, for schools, there are counselors on site, whether it be elementary school, middle school. High school. I know some of the local high schools have interns that come in uh, to support and also to get practice, but to support the school. So that's one avenue for the, for the younger children. If you're a college student, I know that um, you can probably get four, six, maybe even up to eight sessions on campus. And then if you need follow-up, um, they can refer you out somewhere else. Also, if you have insurance, that's maybe the best place to start. But I know the question was related to having finances be uh, somewhat of an issue. So um, for college students, like we said, on campus, I also have a few other places that I'm going to list off. In the community on the west side, there's the Venice Family Clinic. Some of you may have already heard of the Venice Family Clinic. They provide not just behavioral health, but dental and medical. Again, this is, you know, finances are tight. You know, like I said earlier, I want to make sure that you know that there is help out there. Regardless of finances, so the Venice Family Clinics one. There's one headed towards the airport, airport marina. Um, there's there's a lot of places in the community. Uh, one of the big ones, if you Google LA Free Clinic, at least 74 clinics in the LA area will populate, and that's one place that you can get um, counseling support and also that their psychiatrists that are available through that particular um, through that particular network of Free clinics. Okay, so again, we don't want anybody to feel like I can't get the support because of finances. Um, There's one other major place. I don't know if you're familiar with NAMI. It's the National Alliance on Mental Health. I went on their webpage today. It was overwhelming to see how much support is available, and it can either be free or sliding scale. If you go on the NAMI N A M I website, um, there's group support for grief for postpartum. You, you list what you want, and it'll come up. So, again, if the support is for anxiety or depression or you want a group to help deal with COVID even, um, there's just there are just so many groups, individual support, um, and I believe that um, they might also have some medical support. It's limited because it's mostly behavioral health. But um, if you go on the NAMI website, that's particularly my favorite just because it's you can choose what you want, and you can tailor it to what it is that you're looking for. Um, see if I missed Oh, one other thing I wanted to mention um, for the – I know most of you are college students, but for the folks um, on Zoom, if you um, start off with your EAP uh, program at work, they're also um, supposed to be able to offer four, six sessions. And, again, if they can't continue with you, they can transfer you over to um, – Whatever, whatever your particular employer has in place, okay? So those are just some places. Um, if possible, I'm going to see if we can put this on the website so you can access these um, if you didn't get them all tonight. Second question was about anxiety. And, you know, I do want us to keep in mind that we're dealing, we're all dealing with some kind of anxiety, right? We're, when, if we look at the context, the context is COVID. Um, so... Some anxiety is pretty normal. I think about anxiety like a continuum. So if you think about this pen, there's mild anxiety, more moderate, and then more severe anxiety. And the question was basically, how do I know I have anxiety, and also what are some of the symptoms? I'm going to read off some of the symptoms, but, again, I want you to keep in mind this idea of a continuum, which is some of of the anxiety that we're experiencing is pretty common. I don't know about you, but I haven't been into a movie theater in almost two years. So the idea of going into a movie theater causes me a bit of anxiety. Being in a big group can cause some anxiety. Um, I've had patients um, that I deal with say I haven't been to the grocery store in two years. That causes me anxiety. So really keep in mind this context that we're in, which is some of us haven't done activities that we were used to doing pre-COVID. So some anxiety might actually be pretty normal what we want to look at if we're thinking about this idea of a continuum is is it severe and is it impacting my functioning okay so some of the symptoms um listed um are you know some sleep problems maybe having fidgety sleep or maybe maybe you were a great sleeper and now you're finding that you're waking up at two three in the morning um so just things to look at in terms of anxiety and I. Also want to say that just because you have one or two or three symptoms doesn't mean we're diagnosing you, right? Um, we're just keep we're just being observant. We're keeping in mind, you know, any changes that you might be having. Nobody knows you better than yourself, so you can decide. Oh my gosh, this GI issue's been coming up, right? I, I feel like I, you know, um, i you know, my esophagus is bothering me, or I can't sleep, or my appetite is less than usual. So you know yourself better than anybody else, and so it's. In some ways, it's your job to be observant of some of these changes. Um, feeling sweaty, lack of focus. I already mentioned GI, like just maybe just feeling queasy or not feeling comfortable with after you eat. Um, let me see what else. Obviously, on the more severe side is like chest pain inability to um, breathe. Either you're gasping for air or maybe hyperventilating. So these are just some. Um, the list is, is pretty long. Um, again, on the more severe end, we're looking at impending doom, feeling like something bad's going to happen. And there's no real explanation for it, just feeling, it's just a weird feeling of like, why, you know, why am I feeling this way? And then, um, again, on the more severe end, panic attacks. Um, if you're experiencing some of this, um, the first order of business would probably be to be seen by medical. Um, and the reason being, some medications can mimic some of this. We want to rule out any medical issues that might be happening, hormones, I any mean, what have you. So, we don't want to automatically assume and diagnose ourselves without maybe getting medical support first. And then, if you meet with a doctor and they rule out any medical um, issues, then they're probably going to refer you to a therapist or a psychiatrist. Okay? And so, anxiety can be treated with medication if necessary. And also just lots of tools, learning to recognize when it's coming on and learning to manage it. Okay, so that's the deal with anxiety. I know I know it's a little bit quick, um, but, again, I just want to remind you that it's on a continuum. So just because you're having some symptoms doesn't mean you have full-blown anxiety. We do use a manual called the DSM. Um, and if you look at the cluster of symptoms, what a doctor will do is – do you have maybe 75, almost 80% of these? So just because you have one or two symptoms doesn't mean, um, you know, you're being diagnosed with an anxiety disorder. Okay. Um, very similarly, we're going to talk about depression. It's, it, we call it a kissing cousin of, uh, of anxiety. Sometimes we get them both together. Um, and the question was, how do I know whether I'm experiencing sadness or whether I'm experiencing depression? And they are different, right? So sadness, we look at, um, you know, it's it's a it's a milder form. It's something that we're having maybe one or two or three days, maximum of two weeks, uh, feeling sad about maybe a bad grade or a breakup or a friend that moved away. Um, it's it's normal to, you know, if you've lost a grandparent or things like that. Um, sadness can turn into grief, um, you know. That's that's a different conversation, but. Sadness in and of itself um, is a pretty common human phenomenon. Um, Where we get worried, if you think back to the idea of a continuum, is if it goes from mild to moderate to severe, and if it's pretty persistent. If you can say, I have felt sad, um, or even this very heavier depression for now three weeks, four weeks, six weeks, Okay, and you feel it most of the day, most days. And, again, going back to the DSM, which is the manual that we use, we look at do you have 75, almost 80 percent of the symptoms? Are they persistent? And are they impacting your functioning? Okay, so some of the symptoms can be tearfulness, um, lack of pleasure, in things that we enjoy. So, for example, if you enjoy eating pizza or playing tennis or chatting with your friends, now you're realizing I haven't done any of those things and I don't find pleasure in doing them. So, again, we want you to talk to a medical person first to rule out any medical issues um, and then go from there. They can refer you to a psychiatrist or a therapist. Other, other um, symptoms of depression that get missed sometimes are irritability, um, and this happens most often in children. The parents will say, I don't think they're depressed, but they're very irritable. So irritability, we also want to look at any changes in appetite, uh, sleep patterns. Um, let's see if I missed anything else. Sometimes feelings of low self-esteem and guilt. Some of these things that just feel like they come out of nowhere. We want to make sure that um, you get the support first and foremost with a with a maybe your primary care person or your doctor, and then take it from there. So I hope this was helpful, and I'm going to pass uh, pass the baton on to Larry. Thank you.
3: Can you guys hear me? Okay. Great to be with you guys. Um, I, too, was a college student. Go Bears. (laughs) I'll I'll pray for you, whoever said that. Actually, I'm I'm (laughs) fasting for you right now as I'm speaking. Um, So I have three questions as well that I'll I'll, uh, answer here. Uh, The first one, I'll just read it verbatim. I feel judged and or guilty because I don't attend in-person service. I just don't feel comfortable going yet because of COVID and or social anxiety. Is that wrong? How do I answer people who ask why I'm not coming? So first off, it's not wrong. Okay. I want to validate those thoughts and those feelings. Um, I think the question is around the idea of safety. And if we don't feel safe, whether it's because of COVID or in the case of kind of the context of this question, maybe a sense of judgment, that's when safety becomes kind of a, the psychological issue that we're dealing with. Um, I think as humans, we have a hard time some, sometimes dealing with acceptance of one another. The climate in the last year and a half kind of has represented that. And I think as a therapist, the thing I really try to help my clients with, as as well as other um, members in church, is, you know, acceptance is what God's grace is all about. And so whichever side of the question you're on, as spiritual people, we have to ask, are we accepting of one another? That's a question we really have to ask. Um I don't attend in person right now. Um I you know we have some issues with uh my father in law is in his eighties. We visit him regularly and so you know how how do you answer I have always found direct, open and honest as the best policy. Um, when we feel like we're being judged, I, I think a good rule of thumb is we we can't control what other people think. Okay. But as spiritual people we can trust in God and God knows our hearts. And so I, I think I, I will leave it at that as that was a very important question, so I appreciate the question. Um before I go on to the next one, I, I will say this and maybe I speak for all of us. You know, it's it's tricky when it's printed questions. I'll I'll hear it a certain way. And if I don't completely answer it the way it was meant to be, if you're, you know, if you want, you can reach out to me directly or any of us directly. Um, so we're just going to do the best to answer what we what we understand the question be. Uh, the next question is, am I fearful because I don't trust God enough? I don't know. It depends. Maybe. What if we flipped it? I don't trust God enough because I am fearful. Could be either again it's it's kind of a tough question without knowing you, as the person asking um, whenever I hear fear, I think anxiety, and anxiety has many forms, like Priscilla said, um, a form could be um, future thinking, what if creates anxiety, and so you know how how your anxiety manifest doesn't necessarily represent your faith in God. It certainly can represent some of your experiences that have happened in your life. And so I would I would not judge yourself, because that's what it sounds like to me, is we're judging ourselves that maybe I need to pray harder, you know, maybe I need to fast longer. I don't know if that's the case but I would love to talk to you about it. Um, it just depends. It depends on your story. The third question... Oh, my time's up. <laughs> Johnny, do I have a parting gift? Okay. Your phone. Okay, I'm just kidding. We can laugh, right, guys? Um, the third question... um, it's a little bit long, so hang in there with me. Probably like a lot of people, during the last year and a half, I've had time to reflect on my life. I think I make the best of what I'm given, but I have some major disappointments that make me feel very sad. I'm starting to be mad at God and question his love of me, even though I know that's not rational. How do I reconcile my head with my heart? Okay, so there's a lot there. If I just go through the question itself, um, I think I make the best of what I'm given. Um, As a therapist, I love telling people, if you're doing the best you can, there's nothing more that I could ask of you or anyone else can ask of you. You know, as a parent, it would be cruel to ask more than my child's best. It actually would be wrong. So if you're doing the best you can, that is good enough. Uh, The next part of the question, I have some major disappointments that make me feel sad. I'm starting to be mad. So the good thing is you're aware of what you're feeling. Um, Oftentimes, what happens is we're in a go, go, go kind of way. And I believe COVID has been a blessing for this exact reason. I've taken time to take stock. I've taken time to reflect. Wow, maybe I've not been heard. So sorry. Um, Yeah, okay, thanks. Um, I think, you know, if you're aware of what you're feeling, that is a great starting point. Because we typically, in a go-go-go environment, we kind of get cut off this way, our head from our hearts. And oftentimes our heart, I'll refer to as what we're feeling, our head's going about 90 miles an hour, but our heart says, hey, something's wrong. Something's not right. So if you're feeling disappointment, if you're feeling sad, if you're starting to feel mad, I want you to give yourself permission that it's okay to feel those things. Um, And then this other part is probably what we all wrestle with from time to time as Christians. I'm S i am start to get mad at God and question his love for me, even though I know that's not rational. Um, yeah. That's the challenge with having both a head and a heart. You know, sometimes it's easier if I could just have one think and not feel feel, but not think right. Um, it's, I want to normalize that ups and downs happen. Um, So the best answer I can give, again, this is hard to answer without knowing you. Um, You you have to heal. I think that's the best answer. How do I reconcile my head with my heart? I think you have to acknowledge both are okay. And if you're feelings lead you to unhealthy choices, then that's what we need to kind of address, how we respond when we feel things, okay? And if, if, if our head says, okay, do the right thing, and yet we violate our conscience, well, then there's that challenge on the other end of it. So this is often spoken, this question, because we've made some mistakes, And that's the assumption I'm making with the question. So, the best answer is we've got to heal. And healing means working through whatever it is that maybe you're mad at God for, some disappointments, unmet hopes, or desires. And we just got to talk through it. Um, I'm a big believer in working through rather than avoiding. Okay? So, hopefully that helps. And I will pass the baton. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay, for those of you on the Zoom, um,
1: my Zoom moderator is saying nothing. No, no specific questions have come in yet. So what I want to do is I want to open it up to the local, to to the students here, and the YoPros or anyone else that happens to be here. Um, If you have a specific question for Priscilla or Larry. Uh, or I know on Zoom, if you want to chat it over to, to Justin, he'll contact us up here on stage, and we can ask it, but is there any further questions you might have about any of these particular topics that have come to mind, anything you would like to ask them at this time? Okay, no? All right, so then what we're going to do, I think people are processing, and I understand that. So we'll have more time uh, at the end for some Q and A. So let's just go ahead and, and continue to, to move on and Francine will we'll go on with, with your presentation.
4: Is this on? Okay. Can you hear me? Yeah. Okay, good. Um, so um, my question is, uh, was, how do I approach my parents with my feelings what I'm going through if they don't believe that mental health is a thing. So along the same lines is what Larry was saying. i It's hard for me to tell who's asking this question. Is it a preteen? Is it a teen? Is it a young adult? I, I don't really know context. So I'm going to answer this question kind of in a general way, um, and hopefully I'm answering your question, um, the person who ans- who asked it. First of all, it must be very painful when um, you have a lot of feelings that you want to share with your parents and you feel that they're dismissing your feelings. So I want to acknowledge that that is painful. And um, I appreciate you even asking the question and wanting to get some input in terms of how to connect with your parents. Um, I think you have to understand that sometimes that parents may seem to be dismissing their feeling, their, your feelings um, because they may be fearful. Um, they're the parent, and they're supposed to have answers, and here you are coming to them with something that they may not be able to handle or understand or deal with. The other thing is they may be coming, at, coming to this conversation with um, their own experiences with mental health or maybe a mental health issues with a close uh, friend or family member. So they're coming at this with experiences that you may know nothing about and causes them to pull back from you when you're disclosing your feelings to them. Um, And so I think approaching conversations with your parents with that in mind. So what do you do? How do you you connect with your parents? First of all, I think timing is everything uh, in conversations. Uh, You know, when you're walking out the door and you're late for something, it's not the time to share your deepest, darkest feelings with your your parents, okay? It's not the time. If they're late for work, it's not the time. So I would schedule a time to talk with them. Um, Schedule a time uh, to sit down. Um, sometimes it's easier to talk to one parent at a time if you're in a two-parent household. Um, that may be easier than talking to both of them at the same time. So you have to decide what makes what's more comfortable for you. The other thing is write down what you want to say. Sometimes writing down bullet points and just talking through it. But I find that when you're in these kind of uncomfortable situations and you're sharing feelings, it's best to write a letter write down what you're, what you want to say, and then just read it. Because, uh, you know, you'll be able to express everything you wanted to say, you've thought about it previously. And now you're able to share it without, you know, oh, I forgot this, and I forgot that. And, you know, Um, and I would start out the letter by saying, you know, this is really hard for me, because I feel that you may not understand what I'm feeling. And, um, and I really want to share my heart with you, and I really want to share what's going on with me. Start it out with something like that, because it kind of sets the tone for, that, for your parent to say, oh, wow, I really need to, to listen, because this is hard for them. Um, then go ahead and express what you're feeling, what you're going through. Um, and you can tell them, you know, I'm sharing this because I'm trying to take care of myself. I'm trying to tell you the help that I need um, and to share with you my life and what's going on and um, express to them. If you feel that you need counseling or you need some professional help, express that too, as you're talking with them either in the letter or as you're talking with them and, you know, saying that this is all about taking care of myself. Um, If this doesn't work, And it may not work, Um, they still may not understand, they still may dismiss your feelings, they still may not be able to connect with you. Then that's the time for you to seek care on your own through a trusted adult, uh, through your school counselor, through a teacher, somebody that you trust who can then direct you to support services. So I want to echo what uh, Priscilla said at the beginning you're not alone. There's lots of resources out there. Even though you may feel alone, there's still a lot of resources out there and people who do want to help and support you. But you know, as a parent myself, I do want to know what's going on with my child, or my young adult person. <laughs> He's gonna kill me. I just said child. <laughs> um, and I know most of you probably know him, but anyway, I won't say his name. But anyway. Um, so, you know, we do want to know as parents, but we are, we're coming at this with, like I said, a lot of our own, dare I say, baggage. And uh, so, you know, um, you know, push through it as much as possible, but if you feel resistance, please seek the help from uh, someone else. Uh, my second question was, how do I talk to my parents about mental health issues when they're part of the problem? <laughs> Well, <laughs> I know nobody else want to take that one, right?
1: <laughs> I got it.
4: <laughs> um, when the parent is part of the problem. Okay, so um, I would say, first of all, to reach out to a trusted adult, to a school counselor, to a trusted adult friend, um, you know, someone that you know, that you feel that they're, they've had wise counsel. Um, they will be able to help you learn to, to – um, will give you the, uh, the tools you need to approach your parent um, when they are the problem. Um, they'll also be able to give you resources in case they don't have the answers for you. Um, to be clear, though, if the part of the problem that we're talking about is physical abuse, sexual abuse, uh, emotional abuse, if that's what the problem is, you do need to seek help from an a trusted adult. You do not need to stay in that situation. You do need to get help, um, the help that you need. Um, and so you know, I think that um, it starts out it's kind of a combination with the first question. You do need to get some input on how to navigate your um, with your parent and then using the same tools that I talked about before, you know, setting up a time, You know, um, once you get the input that you need about how to approach your parents, depending on what the situation is, again. So, again, this is a very general question. I'm sure that the person who is asking it, there's a specific problem that they're having with their parent, um, and I can't specifically um, answer that question, um, so I'm doing it very generically. Um, But I do want to just take a pause for a minute, and I want to talk to the parents. So, and they're on Zoom. There may be parents in here. I don't know. I can't see everybody, but I don't have my glasses on. But um, our kids are dealing with a lot. Um, at school, they have peer pressure, social media, insecurity. A lot of our kids are being bullied. A lot. And um, they need us to listen. And they need us to take them Seriously. Um, if they're asking for mental health counseling, take this very seriously. Because usually a preteen, a teen, a young adult, they don't ask for help. They don't they don't reach out like that. So if they're coming to you as a parent, you need to really take it seriously. Um, the fact that they're bringing up to you uh, how they're feeling and what's going on in their life, you need to take this as a blessing. This is a blessing. Even though you may not know what to do with it, your your child wants to connect with you. Um, you don't have to have all the answers, but, you know, if you don't, you need to reach out to other people. You need to reach out to other resources to get the help that you need for your child. Um, in addition to uh, seeking counseling, um, sometimes, you know, our, our kids may be uh, dealing with mental health issues like Priscilla uh, and Larry both said um, that there may be physical issues. And I've seen this a lot in my practice that the mental health issues are usually can be stemming from something physical. And so it's you as a parent needs the, you know, in, in as you're getting the mental health counseling, you also need to, uh, make sure that they're physically well and taking them in for a complete physical exam, explaining to your medical health uh, your medical provider what's going on with them so they can have a directed exam. So that's my talk to the parents. <laughs> uh, my last question is, how do I normalize frequent mental health check-ins with my kid? Um, the best way is to take care of yourself first. Uh, parents, you need to do self-care. You need to model self-care. Because when you approach your child and you start talking about uh, mental health issues and self-care and all of this, they're not going to take what you say uh, with credibility if they see you doing something else. So you got to take care of yourself first, your own mental health uh, and your own self-care. Um, check-ins depend on the age of the child, and I broken it down into two 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 sections. One is your preschooler and your elementary school, probably up to about maybe fifth or sixth grade. Um, they don't even really understand what mental health is, so you can't say, oh, I'm doing a mental health check-in for you today. <laughs> they, they have no clue as to what you're doing. But what you can do is ask about their day. What made them happy today? What made them sad today? Um, and... Um, what did they like about today? What was what was great? And then you share too. You share about your day, what you liked, what made you sad. How did you deal with the sadness? That's how you do the mental health check-in. This will be a very, for parents, this is going to be a clue as to the temperament of your child. If you have a child who's constantly anxious and nervous and worried, worried about school, worried about sports, worried about this, their friends liking them, that's telling you about their temperament and what may the future how they may deal with their future, being very anxious. um, uh, And so that can help you develop or obtain tools now to help them as they get older. For the older child, the teen, the young adult, they don't talk. They're not going to talk to you. Um, If you ask them questions, they're going to feel like you're interrogating them. Why do you want to know?
3: What, did somebody say something?
4: (laughs) You know, uh, you, you can't go at them directly. But you have to create a safe space you have to be their safe place you have to be available to listen at the most inopportune times when you're driving on the freeway and you just came home from work and you're exhausted parents when you it's you put they're going to bed and your teen comes to you at 11 o'clock at night and they want to talk you've got to be available um you got to be ready to listen be their safe space um, cultivate opportunities parents for your child to talk to you one-on-one time, things that they like to do, you need to do it with them. Those are times when they start talking to you and you can assess their mental health and what's going on with them. This will help you when specific situations come up uh, later on when and you really do need to talk to your kids. Those situations can be a new, a new baby in the home, a new household that's a stressor and you may they may have feelings about that. If you're moving, Uh, If they're changing schools, if there's a divorce, if there's a parental illness, uh, a death in the family, if you cultivate these practices in checking in with your kids' mental health before these things, these stressors occur, it will help you be able to navigate these stressors with your child in a better way.
1: Wow.
5: Well, good evening, everyone. You know, these professionals really touched on everything. I'm glad I'm last because then that means that I don't have to say all the things that I was going to say. But, you know, what um, Dr. Atterbury just discussed a lot of these, uh, um, a lot of mental health issues uh, occur in the school situation, and that's the situation that I worked in for most of my career. And so the first people that really see the issues that are going on with young people, what, are their teachers or are there, sometimes it's your friends, your peers, and what have you. So I just want to give us a definition of what mental health is in in the educational setting, according to the National Association of School Psychologists. Good mental health is important for everyone. Mental health is as important as physical health to our quality of life. Mental health is not simply the absence of mental illness, but also means having the skills necessary to cope with life's challenges. If ignored, mental health problems can interfere with a child's or a young person's learning, development, relationships, and physical health. So we know from this definition, and this is the definition that I work from, if kids are having problems in school, usually the teacher sees it and may make um, um, some sort of uh, contact with home so that the parents will know. But we know we're not in that situation. This, This past year of COVID, look what happened. There were so many stressors there. And I'd like to just point out some of the ones that, you know, that young people and their families have been dealing with. And that is life, the, if as many of your parents know, this pandemic has significantly impacted your lives, you only need to pause for a moment and realize How much it has uh, disrupted the lives of your children. Their life's work, which is attending school. And, you know, even though you guys here are not children, but it disrupted your lives of attending even your college classes. Your social relationships with your peers and teachers and coaches. Your traditional ways of learning in person to remote learning. All of a sudden, we were all asked to learn remotely. Don't you know how to do that? Haven't you been doing that for a long time? No. That happened overnight almost. Routines for school and home completely changed in a matter of days. Regular physical activity changed. All of a sudden, we were confined behind closed doors. We weren't able to move about freely. Family resources stretched and the list goes on. All of a sudden, families had to figure out how they're going to feed their kids who are now not just at home for dinner time, they're home for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And of course, they were using, families had to probably pay more in utility bills because everybody's at home, everybody's online. If you didn't have really good um, internet connection, Your families had to figure out, how are we going to pay for that? And so uh, a paycheck that really stretched very far before the pandemic, all of a sudden that paycheck wasn't going as far. And if you were lucky to be in a two-parent family, because if then the mom usually had to be the one to stay at home. And so that meant that she wasn't working and only the dad's income. Counted. There were so many issues that are connected with this pandemic that caused so much stress in our lives, not just children, but parents as well. But children look to adults for guidance on how to respond to stressful events. And like Dr. Atterberry said, a lot of times parents weren't prepared for that. Who was prepared for a pandemic? A pandemic that hasn't happened in 100 years. I mean, I'm old, but I'm not that old. I've I was not. i never lived through a pandemic, and I know um, many of you haven't either. If my father was still alive, he would have been 100 years old, and he was born after our last pandemic. So this is something that we all had to adjust to in a hurry, but then it lets us know how God has made us fearfully and wonderfully because we're still sitting here. In 2 Timothy 1.7, it says, For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. We've all had to do that. And in Isaiah 8.12, it says, Do not call conspiracy everything that, that other people call a conspiracy. And do not fear and do not dread it. Well, that lets us know that even though we lived in this pandemic, Something like this has happened before because even in the Bible, it talks about terrible things happening, but God is promising that he will be there. So one of the things that I think that we need to keep in mind, parents as well as young people, children look to adults for guidance on how to respond to stressful events. Adults can help children understand the importance of treating all people with dignity and not associating entire groups of people with events that occur in different parts of the country or the world. COVID-19 does not recognize race, nationality, or ethnicity. Individuals of Chinese ancestry or any other Asian nationality are not more vulnerable to this illness. Accurate information is essential to minimize anxiety about COVID-19, and ensuring that Asian communities are not unfairly targeted or stigmatized. To help in this effort, adults, as well as you young people, must model acceptance and compassion in your words and your behavior, so we can make sure that we're doing that, because that takes a lot of the stress off of living in a In a pandemic world, we're still living in that world right now. Also, I want to talk about lastly the developmental relationships that young people need. And sometimes that can come from your parents, but a lot of times maybe not. Maybe it might not come from your parents because they're busy. Maybe it's going to come from your grandparents. Maybe it's going to come from an aunt. Maybe it's going to come from a mentor. So look at other options in your life, and especially college students, because you're not around your parents. You're living away from your parents if you're living on campus. And so you need other relationships. And there are five elements that I want to really point out and how important these, these relationships are. First of all, we need to, they need to provide us with experience we need to express care for each other. Show me that I matter to you. That's part of being mentally healthy. Show me I'm important. Be someone I can trust. Really pay attention when we are together. Make me feel known and valued. Show me you enjoy being with me. Praise me for my efforts and achievement. We need that. Now, these are things that I'm referring to for children but all of us could use this. Mm -hmm. Challenge my growth. Push me to keep getting better. Expect my best. Expect me to live up to my potential. Push me to go further. Insist I take responsibility for my actions and help me learn from mistakes and setbacks. We need this. These are things that were missing when we weren't in our usual places. When we were sitting at home in our living rooms and we were confined to our living rooms in our homes or wherever we were staying, no one was there to push us. We had to do all of that ourselves. No wonder we were feeling kind of down because these are things that we need for growth. Provide me with support. Guide me through hard situations and systems. Build my confidence to take charge of my life. Stand up for me when I need it. Put limits in place that keep me on track. We all need that. Share power with me. Take me seriously and treat me fairly. Involve me in decisions that affect me. Work with me to solve problems and reach goals. Create opportunities for me to take action and lead. And lastly, expand my possibilities. Inspire me to see possibilities for my future. Expose me to new ideas, experiences, and places. Introduce me to people who can help me grow. These are things that we look for in our relationships. Relationships are very important. And I challenge each and every one of you, and parents out there too, when you can't be there for your kids, Make sure that you put them around and expose them or make suggestions for them to get these needs met in other ways, in other people that might be available. That's why we need mentoring relationships. And I love that about our church because our church gives, puts us in different ministries where we can get some of our needs met there. Don't forget that, young people. And lastly, I want to read a prayer that I wrote. Grace over fear. Gracious Lord, help me to take notice when fear creeps up in my thoughts. Help.
2: Oh,
5: yeah. Help me to catch these thoughts before they multiply and grow. Give me wisdom to discern what is rational and what is not. And in all things, give me the ability to trust that you have my back. I want to turn my fears over to you. So please give me the grace to do that today and every day. In Christ Jesus' name, amen. And I just – I'll stop there because I think that we've covered so much, and in this information and other information, I think, has already been stated. Thank you so much for listening. Awesome job.
1: Great job. So maybe we can take a, uh, about 15 minutes and answer a few questions. Uh, there have been a few that came in online. So I, I think we can just open it up for whoever you know feels you know the most compelled to answer, or two of you can. But um, – Regarding anxiety, we have a question that came in that says, what are some tips, tricks, and practicals to snap out of anxiety or panic attacks? Like when your mind is going down a rabbit hole and you're having a full-blown episode, how do you get out of that? I usually just tire myself out because I'm crying and hyperventilating. But I would love to know healthy ways to get out of an episode.
2: Well, two, I, I would say they're two separate things. Like the question was about anxiety, and anxiety in general um, has to do with a lot of future tripping. So thinking about um, what if people don't like me? What if I show up to this thing? What if what if I don't have any friends? So it's just a spiral of a lot of future tripping. So that's something that probably can be um, managed with tools. What, you know, We call these cognitive behavioral um, tools, which is, is that true? Can I stop this thought before it unravels? So that's a whole different um, set of tools for anxiety. However, panic attacks, if you're having a full-blown panic attack, those tools may not work, right? The, you know, your, your blood pressure is up, there's a lot, you know, trouble breathing. So in that case, we use, and, and this is where uh, working with somebody one-on-one would be really helpful because I can mention these, but somebody can actually teach you how to do these things. Uh, we use grounding exercises, like trying to remember, I'm here at the Presbyterian church, my feet are touching the ground. Basically, you're self-regulating, you're trying to bring um, the the panic, the the fear, whatever whatever's kicking in, we're trying to, you know, just regulate you physically. So um, these tools, I think, are, are helpful, but Me just saying them today are not going to be super helpful if we don't get to practice with somebody who's a professional that can actually walk you through. I've had people in my office having a panic attack. Sometimes I'll have them lay out, you know, take a deep breath. It's very helpful to have somebody guiding you. So I know this is just general information, but it would be really great to work one-on-one with somebody. I hope that was helpful.
3: Um, I, I I agree with um, Priscilla. It's I don't know that there are tricks. Um, I think if it escalates to panic attacks, you absolutely need professional help. Um, that's when you're not able to regulate yourself very well. Um, and everybody's going to be different. And working with a professional. Um, they'll walk with you in figuring out what works for you. Um, Some of what Priscilla said is like reality testing. Um, But for others, it may be more like, if I'm a parent and my child is having a panic attack, what can help her is if I hold her so she's not alone in the experience. So I think... I think that probably demand that question probably demands maybe a little bit more of getting with somebody to talk through what you're going through. Um, It's it's tricky to give a generic answer. So, great,
1: thank you. Okay, uh, another question came in, and this one related a little bit, Larry, to the the original question that you were asked about uh, church attendance. But this one said, my challenges with time. Distance and transportation makes it so much better for me to always go to church online. But I end up feeling guilty or thinking that I look bad to leadership and other Christians in the church. Am I wrong for not pushing more to get there? Or am I being worldly in my guilt by being so concerned with what's thought of me? So, generic question about the same content that a lot of us are facing right now
3: yeah I think you know it's helpful no matter what to be tied in with relationships. so I you know I guess the simple answer is, are you tied into relationships in the church? Um, because the Bible says the heart is deceitful above all things, so i I could certainly rationalize by. Tickets to the World Series for thousands of dollars because I'm a huge Dogger fan. But I need someone in my life to give me input when my judgment might be off. And so in, in the same way, those comments are honest. And if it can be at times worldly guilt, like, oh, I should be going just because. But you need someone in your life to kind of hold you accountable in that way. Um, somebody you feel safe enough to talk through those issues and and that you can feel heard out in what you're thinking and feeling. And so I, I think that's probably the best. And
5: I, I have one. And I'd like to also add to that, um, no, I don't think anyone at this current time should be feeling guilty about taking advantage of online church. I mean, that's why we're having it, because people are still feeling that they cannot meet in person for whatever reason. However, when I'm not able to attend service and I'm paying attention online, I want to talk about what, you know, the word was about with someone. So I'm going to get in touch with people I know. I'm going to call them. Hey, what did you think about what Steve said, preached about today? Or what do you think about, you know, this is a point that, you know, I, that stood out to me. So get with people. Relationships are very important. And as we, we've learned here, is that relationships have everything to do with us staying mentally healthy. That's
1: great. Thank you very, very much. Okay, we have one uh, last question. Unless I have one here, I want one last one. And that is from our brother, Doug Bundy, uh, who we, we all know he's been ill for quite some time waiting for um, a transplant, kidney transplant, praying for that. <laughs> he says, how do you focus on your self-worth and productivity when you're going through such difficult illness, and really unable to go out?
3: Uh, specifically for Doug, if, if there are these kind of significant health issues, I think it's important to feel validated that the things you're going through are the priority to take care of yourself. Um, the question seems two-pronged. So how self-worth and productive. I wonder, sometimes productive can mean we're only valuable if we're productive, mm-hmm. if we're producing something. And so in in thinking of that, that's where I would say to Doug that, you know, your value is in how people think you matter to them. And so maybe given the circumstance, it's understanding that maybe being productive isn't going to be the most important thing right now, but maybe... We can reframe that as what's most meaningful that I can do with my time right now. What's most enjoyable, know, knowing and accepting the limitations of my situation. I think that can be hard, is knowing my limitations and, and then reframing what what can I do within those limitations.
1: Great. Okay. So we're going to close out here. Uh, we do have one final question and that was, um, can we ask more questions for next week's, uh, forum? And so I want to remind everybody on Zoom and in this room here right now on our, the westsidechurch.com website, if you click on the mental health, uh, midweek announcement, it'll take you to a form at the bottom that's called the mental health, uh, questions that you can ask. And basically you can put your name or you can just put anonymous if you like and ask questions. Those questions then can be vetted by our health professionals, our mental health professionals, and then we'll include those in next week's um, midweek. Now, next week, we're going to be all on Zoom, and so we're going to have the ability to go into some specific breakout rooms to have a little bit more discussion and maybe some teaching and training on some of the specific items that we felt were really important as a whole group. So I know for the campus, you guys will uh, maybe have some watch parties and some various Type gatherings like that. I know that uh, we'll have announcements about that in a little bit here. But uh, everybody at home, let's plan to be back together. If you have questions, please go online, as well as all the resources that Priscilla mentioned, as well as some other resources we do want to make available to the the congregation. We'll have that. We'll put that in our squad tab on our website and make that available long standing, so we can be a really uh, healthy church in every way. Um, The last thing I want to say is I want to thank Susan Johnson for helping coordinate our our program, putting a lot of work. Thank you so much. And we're going to close on out. I want to invite Val, our Women's Campus Minister, to come on up. She has a few closing announcements, and she'll close with prayer.
0: Hi, everyone. Can you guys hear me? Okay um yes my name is val i help lead the campus ministry alongside kenny and justin i just want to say thank you guys um so much for everything that you shared i think it was super insightful and it's just such a privilege to have your insight and your professionalism your knowledge all of that um it's definitely much needed and uh it just means a lot that you guys are here tonight so thank you we really appreciate it i'm going to go ahead and pray it out if you guys can bow your heads with me Dear Heavenly Father, we are so grateful for this time together, uh, both virtually and in person. God, thank you so much for the gift of technology and fellowship and being able to connect with you um, through so many ways. God, I pray um, that the things that we learned tonight, that they can uh, really resonate with us moving forward, whether that is seeking professional help or um, just seeking to practically um, get in the habit of self-care and taking care of our mental health just as much as we take care of our spiritual health, God. Um, we're so grateful for the community that we get to have these kind of conversations that are honest, that are vulnerable, that are real. And I pray that you can continue to bless us with a spirit of unity as we continue to fight the good fight together, Father. Uh, we're so grateful for the professionals that you've allowed us to have in the kingdom to be able to teach us and train us and educate us. God, I pray that you can continue to be with them as they share their wisdom and knowledge and experience. God, uh, be specifically with the campus ministry. God, I know a lot of them in, are in exams and midterms and all of that. I pray that you be with their, um, just their emotional and mental and spiritual health. Father, I do pray for the people on zoom. Um, and that you can continue to bless this midweek next week as we uh, continue the conversation on mental health and spiritual health. Father, we love you, and we're so grateful to be a part of your church. pray all this in your son's name. Amen. You've just listened to The West Side Podcast. For more information about our ministry, please visit com or laicc.net.